Welcome to Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective podcast, where we meet experts from all walks of life to learn their intrinsic motivation so that they can share it with the world. What do we have in store today? Stay tuned to find out more. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody out there in podcast land. You are in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homeless Perspective. This is Hamza. And I'm David. And today we have the Whole Living Consultant. She is going to talk about her new book, It's Jumpstart Your Life, Find Your Motivation, and Change Your Life One Step at a Time. And as Intrinsic Motivation podcast. We love anyone that will talk about finding your motivation wherever you may find it. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Diane Randall to the podcast. Welcome, Diane. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for being here. And uh, happy Martin Luther King holiday to you. Same to you guys there in Atlanta. (laughs) Absolutely. It's, It's huge here. It's kind of I don't want to say a religion, but, you know, the whole – every the country is shut down, but in Atlanta we go the extra mile since it is the uh, birthplace – not the birthplace, but there was a huge impact uh, to the civil rights and overall human development movement that started here in Atlanta. Yes, yes, it was. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely want to bring that up as well because many people had the day off, so um, if they're not going to any parades or going to the King House, if they're not in Atlanta, they may take the time to listen to this. And if you're in the government, I mean, you have the day off anyway. <laughs> so this is an opportunity for you to listen. And I think it's a good opportunity for people to uh, listen to you as well because they, there are a lot of people finding themselves uh, outside of their comfort zone. And it's not through their own – or they would feel it's not through their own power, so they may feel powerless. And so listening to a message such as yourself, Diane, could be uh, rather empowering. Yeah, uh, I I wrote this book, Jumpstart Your Life. I released it last year, November of uh, 2017. Uh, It was a workshop, or it still is, that I've taught for 10 years. And I felt it was time to put it into a book. It's evolved, evolved, evolved over the past 10 years. So I got it to a place where I felt it could really be of service. For people who want to create something different in their lives. And I like the fact that it was a workshop because many people will read a book and then put it down and read another book and not really apply what was learned in that book. So did you find... That was also the case in you marrying the workshop and the book together? Well, this book, just like the workshop, it's very intuitive because it's not about me telling you what your life should be or or what you want for yourself. It's walking through 10 jumpstart exercises that I have put together and evolved over 10 years. It's a very interactive book. As, as well as the workshop, because if you don't do the exercises, then, you you know, it's hard to figure out in the end what is my one step that I can take, what is my action plan that I can execute to jumpstart my life in this particular direction. Now, before we jump into the workshop, because this sounds really interesting, I do want to highlight some of the uh, exercises, obviously not all 10, because then those people need to get the book and then sign up for the exactly. workshop. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned that, you know, it started 10 years ago and it's a work in progress. I'm sure it will continue to be. But what what put you in the position to actually set up a workshop? Were you incorporated and decided to do something on your own? Or what led you to where you are today? I am so happy you asked that question. Before the the book, it was a, like I said, it's a workshop. Before that, it was a an article that I wrote for a lady uh, who had a magazine. This was years ago, probably 
12, 13 years ago. And she, well, longer than that, actually, when I think about it. But she asked me to write a, a story about my, my life uh, being a young mother who left her city and moved with two small children to a city with no support network or family and how I got to the point where I could step out of my comfort zone, leave something I knew very well, and create something new for myself. So it was an article uh, about stepping out of your comfort zone. And then I did a presentation on how to step out of your comfort zone, uh, find the motivation inside yourself, and create something different. So that was the presentation. And then when I got an opportunity or created an opportunity to teach workshops, I just started evolving and teaching that presentation and over the past 10 years uh, based on feedback and people that show up for my workshops, I've been able to evolve the workshop. And then after 10 years, I said, okay, ready for a book. I love it. The one takeaway from what you just mentioned was that you created an opportunity. Can you talk a little bit about how opportunities present themselves? It reminds me of movies when we're yelling at the screen, don't go down that dark hallway. And there could be two people witnessing something and you see an opportunity, the other person doesn't. How do you get that muscle to mature? Well, first of all, and I talk about these things uh, every time I teach a workshop, it's about giving yourself permission to release any barriers you may have against you so open-minded and unlimited in what you see in your life or what you don't see. For example, creating an opportunity meant for me is just that I can to present, have an excellent presentation, uh, having a passion for what I was be a living example of uh, share with other people. Can you move well, your microphone, Diane? You're breaking up a lot. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah, now you're clear again. Okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thank you. So it, it was being a, a, a single, newly divorced mother who had no money, who relied on everyone in the family, basically, at that time, being newly divorced, to support me and my kids in one way or another in terms of babysitters, because it was a new experience uh, to be, be alone now to raise two children. And at the time, I didn't have a job that was very good. So it's like, how am I going to pull this off? But it was working on myself when, when I say that, it was, okay, what do I want? I want a better life. What does that look like? Okay, I, I have a degree. I need to finish that degree. And it's going back to college, getting that degree, but also recognizing inside of myself, and I talk about discomfort in my book, that I'm feeling that I need to leave where I'm really comfortable with family, friends, a great support network to create a life that's more in line with what I want for myself. And I had every reason in the world, okay, who's going to watch the kids? You know, there's no family in Chicago. Where are you going to work? <laughs> so it's stepping outside of that and and practicing and working that muscle, as you say, to say that I can create this. So what do I need to do? First thing I need to do, and I always felt at that time, was I need to find a job. And if I find a job that's good enough, because at that time I had graduated from college because I knew I couldn't do anything unless I graduated from college, well, that would give me the confidence to move and find a job, I would say. Because I had examples all around me of 
people that have gone to college and then they moved to different cities. So that, that gave me a little courage right there <laughs> that, that I need a job. And, and, and that job will, based on my calculations of what I need to do to live on, give me the, the money that I need to live. And that was really what I needed to get started. And then everyone around me, especially my family, they had a lot of fear of me. I had a, I had a three-year-old at the time, and I had an almost nine-year-old at the time. It's like you have no one. You're, you're trying to leave with those kids. But I believed in myself enough that I, if I can get the salary I need and believe in myself enough, I will figure out or I can hire a babysitter, you know, I'll have the income. So every negative that was thrown at me, I created something positive, and I believed in what I was thinking about because I always told myself, what do I have to lose? Worst case scenario, I'd end up back home, and home is not a bad place, home in uh, St. Louis with my family. That's not a bad, you know, Thing, if, if that happened, it's just that I'll, I'll be home again. So even recruiters at the time would tell me, oh, nobody's going to hire you to work in Chicago. One guy told me this. Why would a recruiter hire you in Chicago and they have the people that they need there? And that's one thing people knew about me then and now is that I, I didn't believe that. I believed that all I needed was one opportunity. I needed one yes. One yes to a job. So fast forward, not only did I find a job, I found someone to pack me up from my hometown. I got a bonus once I started my job, and they put us up in a hotel for a year. So, and this was after a year. So fast forward, a whole year passed, and then I, 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 I feel like I got this uh, opportunity because I focused, I set intention on what I really wanted, and I did a lot of work to make it happen. And that means driving to from my hometown to Chicago, where I live now, just using every opportunity to find a job, find the thing that would get me to Chicago, and, and it paid off. It sounds like it, and it sounds a lot like uh, Malcolm Gladwell. He talks about the outliers and that it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert. And so uh, it's kind of marrying what you're saying about one step at a time and for you to hear from other recruiters and what have you, the no's until you got that one yes. How many no's did you count the no's or uh, what, oh. how many? Yeah, that's what I want to talk about. Keep in mind, this was before the internet, okay? Mm -hmm. So I had over 700 rejection letters, and you asked how do I know that number? Because I kept my rejection letters in a shoebox. And I'm always asked this question, why would you keep the rejection letters? I kept the rejection letters to allow me to stay focused and integrated on that one yes. Because I believe if you keep focused on what you really want and you're putting the work in, I believe it because it's happened more times since then that, that I will definitely create something intentional about this. So I didn't read the seven. I just kept them, you know, and I mm -hmm. felt it's also a numbers game. Somebody's going to say yes eventually. And I didn't put the pressure on myself to be, to be in Chicago at a certain time, and, and I was just so open to what the experience would bring. I didn't say, well, I have to work for this kind of person or that. I didn't have all those, all those things in my way. I was so open to what the experience could bring that once I got the right opportunity, and I knew in my heart, it was the right opportunity. Uh, not only was it the right opportunity, I actually got more than I bargained for, more than I expected. Yeah, in, in different circles, some people say, let go, let God. Uh, other circles, it's getting clear. And it seems like 
with your intention of being in the right place at the right time, that's when the opportunity presents itself where you're aware of it. Uh, would you what would you say about that? What what I say with that, it's 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 just sitting with that intention. What do you want? And it's it's having that whether it's a mental checklist, a physical checklist, a spiritual checklist, it's doing what I call the work to make this particular thing happen. Because had I not been so intentional and focused about applying for jobs, coming to job fairs at the time to create what I call a momentum of energy for that particular thing that I wanted. you got to create that momentum. And then once you create that momentum, I believe anything can happen. So at, at one time, I, I, I'm interviewing I'm talking to people on the phone. So that, even to this day, I always feel I have to get that, I call it activity now, get that momentum going. And then from that uh, activity and that momentum, something will come. Something will come. But it's because of the work that I'm doing. I'm not just sitting there letting it go for some higher power to say, okay, here you got this. Not that, not that, in the big scheme of things, that's not what's happening. But there's work for me to do. So I want the listeners to be clear. There is work to do because I believe that, yes, I believe the higher power makes it happen, but you have to be integrated in that spirit of what you really, really want. Yeah, it sounds like uh, from a relationship standpoint and from a business standpoint, that the universe kind of checks in with you to make sure that's what you want. Like you said, the intention. And I hear this from uh, relationship experts that we speak to. They're like, I don't have a, a partner or something like that, right? And so they get this activity you're talking about, and then the universe kind of comes in like, okay, well, here's this person, here's that person. And then it, it, scares the per- it scares the other person like, oh, my goodness, I'm really getting what I wanted, and there may be some self-sabotage. <laughs> Right. So so I, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I say it's it's not so much that you won't get what you want. The question is, are you ready? Are you really ready? Are you ready right. to receive, receive whatever this opportunity will bring? Uh, I had one client one time. You know, she wanted to leave town. Like I like it was similar to me. And she says, "Oh, I, I want to leave." And I said, "It's not so much that the work you put in won't." won't at some point give you what you want. The question is, are you ready to go? Because once you get it, you're like, oh, my God, I'm not sure. Oh, I don't know. What is my brother going to say? My mother going to You know what I mean? You have to be so ready for this experience to happen. So nine times out of ten, it's are you ready for, for what will happen at some point? Yeah, I think that the saddest thing that I've experienced was uh, dealing with people at the end of their lives and they had this one feeling of regret that they didn't ultimately do what they wanted to do. So, you know, if we only have one turn around this globe, around this big blue ball, I mean, you should make the most of it. And it sounds like you were definitely in that, headed in that direction. Headed in that direction. And in my book, Jumpstart Your Life, it's not, you know, it's like we have this, this, energy, I'll call it, inside of us, whether it's that discomfort, that that inkling in your heart or your gut that there's something else. There's something else I'm supposed to be doing, and I feel everybody has that, whether you stuff it down, ignore it, or what. You know what I mean? So it's, it's what I do in, in my workshops and what this book does is it helps you to get in touch with whatever that is, I have people who who show up at my workshops who are successful entrepreneurs. I have a lot of like empty nesters because it's almost like once the kids go off to college or wherever they're going, you now have space. You have space inside of you to think about what is this feeling I'm feeling again. I felt this years ago and. You know, I just started working and having a family, and it went away, but now here it is again. So what I do is help people to tap into that energy or that feeling to say, what is it? What is this you're feeling? And we also go through looking at the current priorities because one thing I also uh, 
I also feel and, and kind of have had experience with this on is does your daily choices and priorities line up to what you really want for yourself and how you really want to use your time and be in this world? And nine times out of ten, I, once they do this life balance inventory or this priority assessment, what they see is it's not that they didn't know, but it's so revealing to see, oh, my God, I've been using my time this way. I've been, you know, going to a job that takes me two and a half hours. No wonder I can't fit myself or fit my goals and dreams into my life. No wonder I'm so busy. So that's the that's what I love about this course because I take you through not only creating a plan for your dreams, but also how do you take something off your plate of life? How do you reveal to yourself where you're basically not using your time to support what you really want? Right. And it, it sounds like with the uh, for us living on Earth, right, third dimension, that there has to be some type of contrast for this to happen. And so do you think you would be this far down the road had you not gone through a divorce? Oh, I believe everything is, that has happened to me. Now, you would ask me that when I was, you know, when I was young and I got the divorce, I would have said, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> but, of course, yes, yes, because – Failure, and and believe me, it has not been a smooth journey, you know. It has not been a smooth journey. But what I've done is I've stuck with it. If something didn't work, I would I – would, sometimes you need a minute because guess what? That job that, that moved me to Chicago and, and gave me a lot of money as a bonus when I first – uh, first moved it, they laid me off a year later, <laughs> you know. But guess mm-hmm. what? It, it, even when I got in the bed, it, and I had never lost a job before, here I am with my two kids, and I'm, again, somewhere where I don't have a lot of family. <laughs> I had the kind of people around me. No. Get up out of that bed. I had the kind of people around me that would not let me feel sorry for myself, you know, for losing a job. I've never not, they didn't, you know, that, yeah, I hear that story, but what, but what are you going to do? You got to get it together because guess what? You do have interviews. You know, you're the same person that created the experience to get there and have that job. Guess what? Now you can't lose that here. You got to keep going. And, and, that led me to my next career that I'm still, I, I have my own business, but it led me to my next career, and I'm still in that industry to this day. I love it. And I want to say for you being laid off a year later, uh, to be topical, right, because there are, is a portion of the population that's like, what's the safest sanctuary that I can be in? And for many, that was the government. If I have a government job, I can retire there after 30 years and get a gold watch. And right now, a lot of people are really questioning that because that once cushy, secure position is now in jeopardy. So, and you're so, uh, we'll, you're so correct. You're so, so – because the people that have the hardest time are the people who have that security, that, that false security and that false safety. And I say that because – even outside the government, and you guys know this, you can lose your job just because one company bought another, just because we've mm-hmm. had a bad quarter. You know, you mm-hmm. can lose your job at any time. And that whole experience, what you're talking about right now, should be a definitely an opportunity to look at life in a different way. Even though I've been on my – I always said if you answer the question, what would I do? market downturn yes yeah well not even that let's go back 10 years ago so like 2008 2009 where we had some 
I'm in the account, accounting department. I hung around all accounting people. I didn't really network or things like that. So when I was let go, then I'm now competing against everyone in that department, and I don't have that network built outside of that. So how, what would you say to someone that is used to being, like, to get out of their comfort zone because of the uncertainty in the job market? position. Even if you've been there 30 years. If, if 2008 or this government shutdown doesn't teach you anything, it's to know that that 30-year-old job may not necessarily uh, mean anything tomorrow. And, and then not only that, you're expected to work anyway. You know? So <laughs> uh, really, it's, it's a lot to contend with when you need your paycheck. So I would say look at your plan B. Ask yourself, what would I do if I did not have this job? Answer that question, and I believe if you answer that question honestly, who would I be, what would I be doing, then that offers a level of comfort in that you have your next move if you have to use it. If you haven't updated your resume in 30 years, I offer that you do that, even if you don't need need to use it, you have it. So it's putting into practice from a mental, spiritual level that there is so much impermanence in everything, and we have to realize that. We have to realize that, no matter how long. Because I have two relatives that have been in the government for years, and that it's that comfort level. It's that comfort level, and they don't have to deal with a lot of the issues when the job is working that regular people who work at standard work at corporations deal with. Like they don't mm-hmm. have to they haven't had to worry about getting laid off. But guess what? You have to understand that everything is temporary, whether you use the word impermanence, whether it's a government shutdown, it's just here to teach you that Absolutely. you you need to think about what can I do or what would I do if I did not have this job? And that will, I feel that will re- reveal a lot to you. Oh, I would be an HR representative. So what does that mean? Do you have the experience? What is the reality of what you're talking about being an HR representative versus where you are today? Does, does that mean you would need more school? Does that mean you will need more contacts? The answer is probably yes to both. So I would say, even if you don't need it, package it up, get it ready to go. Plan it out. I was so thinking is- about mm-hmm. I was thinking about when, um, when I came to Atlanta, it was one of those family things where, oh, you know you have a cousin here or you know you have family members there, and you had done it in the, in the time before the Internet as well. What would you do differently to – connect with possible networks in a new city that you're about to change your life and move to? Oh, it, it, is, it is so much easier now, I feel, <laughs> because you have, if you're going to a certain city, you could join some meetups. If you're, if you're going to a certain company, you can go on LinkedIn and, all, and sign up for LinkedIn and really uh, reach out to your new colleagues. You can go on Facebook uh, if, if there's a particular network that you're interested in. I know for me back then it was Association of MBAs. It was associations I had to physically show up for. The day mm-hmm. processing association, just groups of people that I could start networking with and talking to. Uh, so so that when you arrive to the city, you kind of have some familiarity of the city, of the city and the people. So it's good to really look at the city, really dig into where you're going to live, really understand not only the geographics of where you're going to live, but the demographics as well. So opposed oh, to keep... maybe 25, 30 years ago, you know. 
Absolutely. And talk a little bit about those said networks uh, and what's the best way to do it. Some people believe that if I go to a bunch of networking meetings maybe once, then everybody should know me, and <laughs> that's not usually how it works. So how what's the best way to maneuver through these different networking groups? Well, I believe today uh, it's, not, it's not enough to just sign up or like a page, you know, if it's Facebook. You need to show up. You need to introduce yourself. You need to go to uh, networking events and actually introduce yourself physically and meet these people because – you never know where your opportunities will come from. And I'm not advocating that you fill your calendar every day with something, but you should be able to commit to at least once a month to uh, relevant networking associations. If, it, if it's a job that, you, you know, you're interested in, then you look at the relevant uh, career association networks or if it's an interest that you have, you, you look for those groups. But it's all about showing up, showing up, participating. And like I said, it's intention. And part of your work and intention is to show up and meet people, let them get to know you. Because guess what? You, I always say you have no idea where your next opportunity will come from. You have no idea. So if you're out there creating that momentum I talked about, then you have no idea what will show up for you, what will manifest. Mm. That's interesting. I was going to say, interesting, Diane. Uh, Hamza and I are both a part of a, an intention group, and you mentioned intentions. So, and the power of it. Can you talk a little bit about your experiences with, with using you know, intentions? Well, I, I love the word, or I love the experience of intention. Intention is paying deep realize in present terms who you are, what you want, how you see your life. If it's a career, how you see that career, how you see every level of that career the people you're around, the neighborhood you live in. It's practicing, seeing what you want in, in the present tense, in the present tense. And it's focused time, attention, and energy on doing the work it takes to make that particular experience happen. So I call it an intention because it has to be conscious work. It has to be conscious. To make those things happen. Yeah, yeah. You seem to have just listening to you. you you're very uh, good at being in present time, and even though you might have things mapped out where you want to go, it's like you realize you have to, you know, one step at a time. And I'm going to deal with what's on my plate first, right in front of me, and be totally focused on that before you move to the next step. It's just like, I guess, well, if, someone, if someone was going to run like a marathon, you don't just, or you train, you don't just go out and run 26 miles. You learn the, to maybe master a mile first, and you work from a mile to two and just kind of build, build your, build, you know, up to 26 miles. You build up to 26 miles, but here's the beautiful thing about intention. Sometimes when you're, intention, you're intentioned and you're focused, something bigger than you ever dreamed shows up. <laughs> it's so much bigger than what you expected. Yeah. So much bigger. That's what happens with intention. And, and I always say, I mean, I've, I've had things show up that, you know, totally, oh, man, can I really uh, do this, you know? Yeah, and watch it's like, wow, hey, <laughs> it, it's great to ask for it, but, but then are you ready? Are you ready for something even bigger yeah. to manifest from your intention? That, that's a that's a two part question because uh, one what you're saying is that maybe we're aiming too low or we're thinking too low of ourselves for what we want to do next 
and the universe is saying, hey, you know, think bigger. So what would you, how would you compare what you were thinking about as far as next steps when you first started versus today? There is no, like, I don't use the word comparison. That's, uh, to me, that's, uh, 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 it, it's a word that I don't put in any, um, anything I'm trying to do. Uh, so what 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 I mean is that you start right where you are, right where you are. You don't have to be in a certain place to run a marathon. It's like where are you? Okay, I'm gonna need some some lessons to even learn how to run before I even start practicing for this marathon. So it's it's another person may be ready to just train for the marathon. So it's wherever you are, that's where you start. My whole intention and, 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 and what I uh, share with people is to folk explore where are you and be honest about that and what do you need to basically build yourself up to whatever you want in your life, whether it's school, whether it's um, um, a career, a certain career, it's where are you? Where are you? Start right where you are and don't put any pressure on yourself about um, being a certain place. It's, it's just being open to the experience without judgment, um, without uh, labeling yourself. And that's, that's, a, that's a tall order for many of us, but that's where the work is. How do I release these barriers? How do I let go of the past and the labels that are in my way of moving forward? That's a really good point. And to be topical, since it is MLK weekend, right, he's most known for I Had a Dream, right? And so most people today, fast forward, do not know how to dream. So there may be something that's just like at the back of my mind that something needs to change, and I find myself either reading your book or attending your workshop. But when you're talking about dream or a marathon, that would be great. You know, in high school I used to run track, but I'm also good at, I don't know, underwater basket weaving. So how do you help a person? You know what I'm saying? Like people come to you like, well, help me dream. <laughs> and that's a, well, kind of and, a tall and order. You know what? No, and, and I would say after 10 years, I do have people that, and not too many, interestingly, that say, I have no idea of what I want. So, so that's an indication to me that we probably need to spend time on releasing all the things that are in the way, the barriers, the uh, uh, limiting beliefs about uh, a, a particular thing. And if people don't know, I always say, what did you love to do when you were a child, you know, when you were free to dream and think about things? What did you love about being a child? Did you like art? Did you like painting? Did you sing? And when I, a lot of times with the people who don't really know what they want, more often than not, they can say, you know what? I used to love uh, flying uh, uh, airplanes, you know, toy airplanes. I used to love soccer. I used to love certain things, but you know what? I was told that I'm not going to make any money, so <laughs> for, as an example, so I let that go. But guess what? Fast forward in midlife, they show up in my workshops because guess what? That inkling, that desire, and, and this is how you know the difference between underwater basket weaving and something else we talked about, if it's true to your soul because it will keep coming up, the same mm -hmm. thing. It may not have a label underwater basket weaving, but if you wrote down all the characteristics of that, it could be called underwater basket weaving, or it could be called uh, weaving baskets underwater. You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's what's in my heart that keeps showing up. And, and then I have to keep trying things, and I tell people who don't know, I said, okay, go to an underwater basket weaving class, for example. Go here. Go listen to an underwater basket weaving uh, speaker, for example. What about that speech or what about that class resonates with you? Because you can find real-life 
um, you can find real takeaway, real life things that you can mimic in your own life or model in your own life to get to what you really want. Because mm-hmm. I can go, I would go hear a speaker, and man, it would totally, totally uh, resonate with me. For example, a few years ago, I went to a temple and I heard Iyana Van Zant. Uh, she gave a speech. She walked on the stage. She says, my name is Iyana Van Zant, and I have a master's in spiritual psychology. That's, that particular statement right there resonated so deeply with me. I couldn't wait to get home to Google her and master's in spiritual psychology <laughs> because I could not get that out of my head. So I, I found the school. I called them. I'm thinking, okay, this is online. That's cool. You know, I'm interested, and I call them, and basically they say, oh, no, this is not online. You have to show up uh, to Santa, Santa Monica, California for two years, basically, on, on a week, one weekend out of the month, and I'm like, oh, my God, that is a lot, you know. <laughs> so I tried to find a similar program in Chicago, of course, you know. Oh, my God, I can't do that. That's, that's big, you know. That's what I'm, I'm telling myself. But guess what? I ended up going to that school. I did the two years. And what I told, I, I just, it just kept hitting me deeply, and there was nothing else to suffice. And every time I got on the phone with the administration office, I wanted to go even more. So I decided this is a tall order, you know, with everything. With everything, it's a tall order to go from Chicago to Santa Monica for two years. But you know what? I said, I'm going to take this small steps, one month at a time, one month at a time. And then in my second year of school, I get this up. I go to Germany for six months. So guess what? I'm flying from Germany to Santa Monica for about six months. I love it. But I was ready. I was ready. Even though, like I said, you have no idea of what might happen when you set intention and you, you, you follow your heart and you're doing the things that, that allow you to serve others. You have no idea of what will come up. And then it was like, wow, this is big, but guess what? I did it. I did it. Wow. So was she, was she your, like your biggest, who was your biggest inspiration along this journey? I always say I have like four people in my life, four people who have, uh, and it's not a celebrity. <laughs> um, I have people that I I look up to, like I have a, a she's my best friend. I call her my angel. Um, uh, she's been in, she's she's uh, we met. Uh, 30 years ago, and she's been in my life. I feel she's always held a space for me to mature and grow. Uh, I feel like uh, I have these people in my life who are here to support me, and these are people who every time I talk to them, I get a new idea or uh, or I'll share something that's crazy or going on, you know, I'll fall off the wagon and I have people in my life that will give me objective feedback that don't judge me, that support me, and it's it's just been an awesome ride. And I'm saying this after knowing uh, four people for like 25 years, 25, 30 years, that they're there, I feel, to just give me that that upliftment and support that I need, whether it's something that's bad happening, whether, you know, life gets in the way, things happen. Sometimes you don't know what you're going to do or how you're going to recover. So it's having people that are so supportive that don't tell you what you need to do but give you the space, they talk to you, and you have the conversation to allow yourself to recognize that, you know what, this is – this is just a part of something that's happening, and it's more about the solution to recover. And I would say now at this point, that's all the kind of people I have in my life. And these are fellow uh, 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 coaches. These are healers, practitioners. Uh, these are 
couple of friends from when I was young, you know. It's just having that community of upliftment, uh, not, you know, I, I want to be like this person or that person. But I have other um, uh, people that I've, I've admired, like there are spiritual healers and teachers like Iyanla, like Iyanla uh, 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 Van Zandt, uh, Ram Dass, uh, there's Joe Dispenza. There are te- other teachers I've had uh, that that have inspired me uh, to the work that 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 I'm doing today. I think the part that you mentioned about uh, having that support network is really healthy, and that you don't feel separate from everyone else. Especially going down this journey, it, it could feel isolating at times. So it's good that you can have people over the years to kind of bounce ideas off of. Yep, and, and, and I've learned this through experience because I've lost, like, best friends because, you know, in the beginning you try to bring everybody along with you. But I feel that if you, if you don't look at it as your journey, your individual journey, and what happens is you start meeting like-minded people, not to say that you don't have people in your life that aren't on your journey, but it's hard to expect people that – uh, family members, close people to want the same thing you want. That that's uh, I tried it. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> but it's having that support, having that love from family and friends. That and and at the same time, you have the space to go on and do your thing. Go do your journey. We're right here for you. But also having like-minded people that love what you love and that you can have conversations with to get ideas, to be that person you want to be, people that understand your journey, that are not your family. That goes a long way. So, Diane, how do you, how do you celebrate some of your progresses? Oh, I'm always celebrating. <laughs> I celebrate whenever... And this is what I get today. Whenever I teach a workshop or I speak to a group and I've impacted someone or inspired someone, even if it's one person, man, that fills me up. It fills me up. But I celebrate in ways where I believe I have to stay on the path. I'll I'll, I'll go to – I still go to spiritual retreats. I go to – silent retreats. I do things to continually learn and fuel myself. And these are all things that make me happy. Uh, I have fun. Um, I I can do anything I want to do at this point in my life. And I'm happy. And I'm happy. So it's all internal things that um, uh, I derive from the work I do now. And every time I talk to someone and they, they say, oh, Diane, that they help me, or they, or I see that they they couldn't figure something out and they figured it out. All that inspires me and makes me happy, and it's worth. And it's it's that's how I know that I'm on the right path of what I want to do with my life. I'm a big movie buff, Diane. So mm-hmm. when I go to the movies, I like one that before it starts it says silence is golden. And many of us have these weapons of mass distraction with social media and everything that it's not really quiet at all. You don't have time to think. I'd like for you to share one of your experiences by going to a silent retreat. Okay. Um, as I've gone to silent retreats, I've watched less and less of, of mainstream TV. And I say mainstream because every now and then I like certain movies. You know, I like certain things. Uh, 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 certain movies. I love movies, but not the news and all the negativity. So it's finally done for me to recognize that a lot of the input that I get in my life is so negative and toxic and distracting. And also it conditions me to be one way or another. So going to a silent retreat, allows me, because you have to be quiet. And in the one that I've gone to for the past five years, you have to be quiet for four days. And what I've recognized from that, man, that is, I don't know how I feel or what I would do, but the result is I feel like I've just 
everything. It's time to talk. Just a few seconds, the input that's coming into my brain, it's like, wow, it's a, that's a lot, you know. But then I'm back to normal. I'm checked back in, you know. But but it's it's been a blessing, and I'm attracted to it. I want it. You know, I seek it out every year. And now I'm trying to go twice a year, you know. I love it. It allows me to renew. But it also made me what is coming to my head, what what is coming into my mind, what is coming into my spirit. So, you know, like I said, it allowed me to say, I don't need to be watching this so-called news, you know, because because that input may not be the best input for me, Diane Randall. So what I find that when I – I don't want to be around toxic people. I don't, I don't want to hear all the drama of life. Not to say that you cannot call me and we can't talk about solutions to a certain experience that you're having. But I've learned how to recognize what's the best thing for me in terms of keeping a lot of the toxic toxicity and negativity out of my life with the input that comes in. You can't control everything, right? But but I do little things to help myself. We have two large uh, silent retreats here in Atlanta, and they're usually three to four days. Sometimes you can go as a couple, which is really interesting. And for yeah, those that can... That is interesting. The first day, like you said, is that monkey mind. So you're, mm-hmm. you're just trying to. So people that can kind of get past that first or second day, that's when that the, I think the light really turns on. So it's really encouraging that I'm talking to someone else that goes to silent retreats. But they're, they're phenomenal. Oh, yeah, they are phenomenal. And I didn't even know. I think you have to say, okay, I'm going to try it. <laughs> you know, because. I don't I don't know if I would have been ready for the silence even 10 years ago. Because mm-hmm. because it's like, wow. I remember my first reaction years ago when my friend mentioned that to me. I'm like, "Oh my god, I don't know if I can do that." And mm-hmm. then <laughs> I got to a place, you know what? I I'm ready to try that. I'm really ready to experience that. I have no idea what to expect, which is good. Mm-hmm. And and exactly. and it worked out. I love going. Absolutely. And one, I have a, a linear question. So when people initially get together uh, via matrimony and what have you, they are on the same page in a lot of respects. But we all mature differently at different phases of our life. So I want to know what's it like if you work with people at your workshops that are couples, uh, because in in some cases that, that uh, union may actually split because they're going through such dramatic changes. Uh, what are some ways that you work with couples? Oh, it's always interesting. But what I love about couples, they walk in there thinking they have identical thinking and they want the same thing. But up front, uh, I encourage them to be individuals. And they learn so much about each other, <laughs> you know, because up front we talk about just being just being who you are and be so and it's okay to be a couple, but you're also an individual thinker. And a lot of times couples don't realize that, especially if they've been together for a long time. So I encourage uh, the individuality. Uh, like through the exercises, like someone, well, let me see what you have, you know, and, and one guy, the last guy was like, no, I'm not going to let you see. I thought that was beautiful, you know, because <laughs> they, learned, they learned about each other. I didn't know you felt that way. I think that's beautiful when that happens. So, yeah, I get plenty of couples, but I encourage the individuality as they walk through the process. And and I haven't had anybody reject that idea. I, it's hard, though, sometimes. But we talk about it. We talk through it. I don't rush through the first the first part of my class because we're talking about barriers, limiting beliefs, 
starting where you are because you might think because you're a couple that that starting where you are piece means you both know exactly where each other are starting. And nine times out of ten, it's such a surprise when they find out it's not. (laughs) I love it. That's funny because you have an upcoming Setting Healthy Boundaries workshop. And if you could give us just a, a, a peek into you have 10 jumpstart exercises. What is your first uh, exercise that can get people started and set their frame of mind? My first uh, exercise that that gets people started is to basically start where you are. Uh, In that particular uh, process, starting where you are, it's, really taking an inside look to where you are in your life, the reality of where you are, and the gap between what you really, really want for yourself. It's being honest. It's exploring inside uh, why you feel you can't do a certain thing, because a lot of people show up saying, if they could do it, they would have done it. But a lot of times, what are the barriers that are stopping me? Why haven't I been able to move through the process of figuring out what I want? So it's starting right where you are and being honest with yourself about what it is you want and what barriers are present in your life, whether it's beliefs, your beliefs, I call it limiting beliefs, you know, about that particular thing that you want, uh, whether it you feel there's someone who uh, is, it, it, you know, you're, you're thinking about other people who might not like your choices. If I could do what I wanted, that means I'm going to have to change my friends. I'm, I may even have to get divorced. You know, it gets that serious sometimes. And a lot of people are afraid to to go there. And I just say go there, explore, because it's really about what you want to, to make your life better, richer, happier, more joyful. You have to determine what that means. And it's okay if you go there and you decide, oh, my God, I can't do that right now. That is fine, too, but at least you've started the process. I always tell my workshop students, the fact that you showed up tells me you're ready. You've already started the process. Mm-hmm. And what's the, what's the follow-up if they go to, I, I, I can't learn how to dream. You taught me how to dream. What's the follow-up after they finish your, your workshops? Well, they finished my workshops, and I am available to speak to anyone uh, 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 to support. And I do that. Uh, sometimes they, they read this book or they attend a workshop, and, and they're, you know, I'm stuck right here. Or I have this belief that I just can't get past. Or one man said, my wife is never going to let me do this. You know, so sometimes you need more support. You need more conversation. But uh, in the work I do, I am present for people that that want to be, uh, 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 you know, that need other help. I have, I I did a podcast for three years, uh, 2019. It's the first year I haven't done it, uh, Balanced Living for Busy Professionals. I've always brought people on the podcast that, had value tips for my community. So um, that those are two things that, that they can do, but just knowing that they can always schedule some time to talk to me about anything. Awesome. And so jumpstart your life, find your motivation in life one step at a time. What's the first step to get in touch with Diane to get your book and sign up for your workshops? You can go to my website www.dianerandallconsult.com and you can find my contact information. There's a link to the book. There's also a link to schedule a a free 20-minute one-on-one consultation to see if, you know, there's even, if I can support you or if we have something in common to um, help bring what you want to manifest in your life. Fantastic. 
Well, you have just been tuned to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza. And I'm David. Diane, it was a pleasure. Let's definitely stay in touch. Oh, that's awesome. I've enjoyed it. Thank you both. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Listen to Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective on Radio Public. It's a free, easy-to-use app that helps listeners like you find and support shows like ours. When you listen to our show on Radio Public, we receive direct financial support every time you hear an episode. Experience our show and Radio Public today by listening to the show link in our episode notes, and thank you for listening.